Well, this morning we are in uh, week three of our series in the book of Colossians, and if you would have your Bible with you, whether it be a phone or a real one, uh, not a real one, a paper one, sorry. Uh, Some of you will, anyway, uh, Colossians 1, 24, uh, and we're going to work our way through to 2, 5, and just kind of hold your finger there. And before we get started in getting ready for this morning, uh, reading through one of my favorite authors uh, in preparation for today, they... Uh, had you imagine, and I'm going to invite you to do the same, uh, just kind of picture in your mind this big, giant, old hardwood forest. And for those of you that are really technical, it's called deciduous trees, and they're the ones that lose their leaves in the fall. Uh, and it would be filled with sugar maples and oak trees, uh, white and yellow birch, and a list of others. And I want you to imagine that inside this big, old forest, uh, that trees could actually have conversations with one another, that there would be a a language that they would speak, that they would understand one to the other, pending the tree that you were. Imagine that you had um, young trees that were just saplings, and they watched a little kid come into the forest with a jackknife looking to make marshmallow sticks, and the conversation that that sapling might have with an older tree, like, what's that boy doing with this jackknife, and why is my friend no longer there anymore, and where's he going and some of those kinds of things. Listen, it's just an imaginary story. It's just an imaginary story. It doesn't happen. They don't think, they don't feel, they're just trees. And some of them are like, yes, they do. And I'm like, well, if, if that bothered you, then you're not going to like this next version. Imagine that these big old trees see someone come in with a still chainsaw. These big... Of all the things that move you, (laughs) this is not on the list that I thought was going to get you, but I have to finish. Imagine watching this guy come in with a chainsaw, and these old trees are like, whose number is it? And who's going to get cut down today? You're making me all nervous now that I say this. (laughs) But I do want you to imagine that there's these big old maple trees, oak trees in this incredible forest, and they talk to young saplings. And as the seasons change, the young saplings are kind of unaware of, like, what's before them. And I suspect that the big, old, mature trees would say to the little ones, listen, October's coming. It's going to get cold. You're going to lose your leaves, but don't worry, you're not dying. It's just part of the process of the fall, and then the spring will all come back. Again, these big old trees would say that there's storms coming through the wintertime where there's going to be freezing rain and sleet and your branches are going to get heavy and you might lose some, but, but don't worry, you're going to be fine. Imagine uh, the night that Fiona arrives and the old trees who've been around a little bit, the ones that survived Dorian, are like kind of coaching the little ones through what is about to unfold. And they'd probably say something to the effect of, tonight is going to be a rough night. And they would continue on to say, but I'm going to take the brunt of this. I'm going to shelter you. I'm going to draw the attention of the wind. I'm going to be the one that suffers the most so that you can grow up to be what I am, this big, strong, old oak or maple tree in the forest. And I will do all that I can to ensure that you grow up to look essentially just like me. Now, this is a fictitious story, which some of you were deeply moved by, (laughs) but this is very much the conversation that Paul is having with the church at Colossae. Paul is the well-established oak tree in the forest of faith. 
And this forest is really the church at Colossae. And it's filled with young saplings everywhere. And they're new to all of this. They've just given their life to the Lord. They've been baptized in faith. They're beginning to learn of all the things that Jesus would ask of them and the things that they're to do by faith in their daily lives. And this is kind of the dynamic that we're going to be addressing this morning in this portion of the letter. In Paul's letter to this church at Colossae, he's explaining to them that essentially I'm taking the hit for you. I'm drawing the enemy fire away from you so that you can grow, so that you can focus on the task at hand in the amazing work of the ministry where you would become more and more like Christ, that you would grow up to be a mature follower of Jesus. There's some passages here that I want to draw your attention to that speak to this dynamic that I'm trying to draw your imaginations into. In 1 Colossians 1, 24 and 29, it reads this. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you for the sake of his body, which is the church. So Paul, this old oak tree in the middle of a giant storm is saying, I am rejoicing that I'm suffering on your behalf. I love the fact that I'm drawing the attention away from you, the body of Christ, so that you can grow. He goes on in 29, to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy that he's describing what's going on. Like, I love being out in front so that I can be the one that absorbs all the shots so that you, the body of Christ that's younger than me, can continue to grow in your life in Jesus Christ. Paul, this old oak tree in the forest of faith, has always had this posture towards the local church, to new believers. Whether it's Colossae or Corinth or Galatia, he is the one who often goes out ahead, who takes the brunt so that young saplings can grow up in faith. There's a text that really speaks to this in 2 Corinthians 11, and I want to read it for you, and you can see what I'm saying when he takes the brunt of things so that the younger ones of faith can kind of grow up and take their place. This is in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I have worked much harder, I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers. I've been in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers. I have labored, I have toiled, I have gone on without sleep, I have known hunger and I have known thirst, I have often gone without food, I have been cold and I have been naked. That's an old, mature tree out in front, taking the brunt, and it finishes in in 2 Corinthians 11 with this incredible reason why he is doing this. Because he has a deep concern for the churches that they would grow up to be mature in Christ. Paul is willing to put himself out there and take a lot of shots so that his love for the local church, a lot of young people of faith, can grow up to be mature in Jesus Christ. It's Paul's concern for the church that compels him to work hard, to do hard things. And while he's doing it, it's his hope that other younger men and women would grow up to be mature followers of Jesus Christ. In verse 27 There's four different passages that really speak to this. This is getting to why Paul does this. 
that they, the younger ones, that they would know the glorious riches dash Christ in you. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to put myself in danger. I'm going to draw fire. I'm going to be over here so that you, the younger one, would grow up and know the glorious riches, which is Christ in you. Then you go on to verse 28. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And then you go down to verse 2, verse 1. To encourage you, encourage in heart, united in love, so that they have the full riches, complete in understanding, so that they know Christ. And then this last one in 2, 4. That they, this younger brother, sister, this younger sapling in this forest, they wouldn't be deceived by fine-sounding arguments. Paul, this old mature oak tree, is at work hard for local churches so that the younger ones that are growing up would know the riches of Jesus Christ, that they would be fully mature in Christ, that they would have this complete understanding of who he is and what he does in one's life, and that they would live their lives in such a way that they would not be deceived by all the different conversations, and this goes kind of go back to week one, that they wouldn't be deceived by all the big city conversations that are swirling around this group of young believers. It's curious when you get into these phrases of the glorious riches of Christ in you, that they would be fully mature in Jesus Christ, that they would have a complete understanding, that they wouldn't be deceived. And this is why letters, I love reading letters, because it's layer upon layer and it all kind of fits together. It's not a disjointed conversation, which is sometimes how we read them because of how they're presented with headers and sublines and all those kinds of things. Paul is working hard as this old tree He's drawing kind of fire away from them. And he's hoping that these young saplings, and this goes back to last week, that they would see in Jesus that he is in fact God. That they would see in Jesus that he is in fact the creator and sustainer of all things. That they would see in Jesus that he is the redeemer of all things. And that in Jesus there is a new creation coming. Paul is working hard so that someone would grow up to be mature in Christ Jesus, so that they would understand that he is all of these things that Paul has just referenced in Corinthians 1, of how he is preeminent over all things. Paul is suffering for them. He is strenuously working away so that they can grow in the full knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom and knowledge, those, that phrase is all the way through the book of Colossians. It's Paul's heart that this group of people would grow in full knowledge and wisdom, all connected to who Jesus Christ is. Again, so that they would re realize and recognize that Jesus Christ, he is in fact God. That he is the one who has created and sustains all things. That he is the one who has redeemed all things through his life and death and resurrection. And that what happened to Jesus that first resurrection morning is going to one day happen to the whole of the cosmos. Paul is working hard that they can grow in this. And that if they grow in this, they will have this full wisdom and knowledge that comes from God for their life's sake. For every day that they live, this shapes them in significant ways. I love in Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3, the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom all are hidden, all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This 
is the constant theme through the book of Colossians. Wisdom and knowledge, wisdom and knowledge, and it's all linked to who Jesus Christ is and us, they, coming to know who he is and living out these realities each and every day of their lives. By God's grace, when a sapling grows in this stuff, when they grow in wisdom and knowledge, with the help of an old oak tree, that young sapling through time takes on the very nature of Christ in their life. It shapes their daily life, and it causes them to engage in the very work of the gospel. It causes them to engage in the good news of telling others about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in their life and why he matters so much in the world in which we live. We could talk at length around wisdom and knowledge, and we often do. This would be very similar to last week's sermon, where it is wisdom and knowledge that leads us to believe through Christ and what he has said and what he has done, that he is in fact God. And there's wisdom and knowledge in linking Jesus Christ to be God because it shapes everything about this world. There's wisdom and knowledge in realizing that he is the creator and sustainer of all things. There's wisdom and knowledge around the conversation of, of how he is the redeemer of life and how all things will be new again. All of this are kind of deep dives into this incredible conversation of wisdom and knowledge that Paul continually is addressing here in this letter in the book of Colossians. But for today, I do want to shift the focus away from wisdom and knowledge because we were there last week and we're going to go to it the weeks to come. But I do want to talk about kind of the mature oak tree that Paul is and the figure that that is in local churches and the role that they play when we get into the dialogue of the saplings that are growing up behind them. In every church under the sun, beginning in Colossae, Galatia, Corinth, Thessalonica, and all the other ones, there are folks like Paul, strong, mature oak trees. And in every church under the sun since the beginning of the church, there are younger saplings. Every community of faith has these two groups. In fact, I would say if it doesn't have these two groups, then something has gone awry inside that community of faith. If all that community of faith is are really old, mature people in Christ, it would speak to that they're not really mature in Christ. They're just old. And there's difference. There is a difference. And I'm in the middle. Like, I'm 45 now, so old people, I'm getting closer to you, and I'm not quite 20, and I listen to kids talk, and I'm like, what are you saying? What do these terms mean? I'm aware I'm in this weird kind of bridge season of my life. There is a difference between being an old, mature person in Christ, and we'll speak to that in a moment, which every church should have, and then while that group is present in the forest of faith, there are new young saplings. And if it's all young saplings, that's trouble. You imagine, like, pulling all wisdom and knowledge out of an environment and just leave it to saplings. That is, like, awful on every front. It requires both of these groups to be present for this to be a, a vitality, a life, a beautiful space of community where Christ is being formed. When I think about our church here, this one, Cornerstone Cornwall, we have got some great old oak trees. And to be clear, I'm not talking about age. This isn't about age. If you're 80, it doesn't mean that you are an old, mature oak tree. I'm talking about maturity in Christ. 
And maturity, again, just so that you know where I'm headed, this is not about being perfect at all. Paul is not perfect. I can show you moments where he made significant mistakes in his life that he addresses later in other letters. It's not about being perfect. It's about being someone who faithfully does what Jesus asks of you in your failures. That's a mature follower of Christ. You can know it all and practice none of it. That is not a mature follower of Christ. Knowing it and doing it by faith, this is a mature follower of Christ. This is the person I'm speaking to. So whether you're 30, 27, 87, if you know what Christ says over your life and you obediently do this by faith, this is the mature oak tree that I'm talking about. This is the one I'm talking about. We have a ton of saplings in this church. We literally have a ton of saplings in this church. And I want to rephrase this in a language that you probably have heard in every type of organization under the sun. But there's this kind of 20-80-80-20 kind of split that I don't know where it came from, but there's 20% of the people that do 80% of the work and 80% of the people benefit from 20%, like that whole space. Well, using that, I, I would say, yeah, this is probably far more accurate than we realize. The same breakdown could actually be highlighted in the early church. There was a 20%. Their names were Paul and Silas, Barnabas, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, James, Lydia, Chloe, Stephen, Junia, Mary, Ephraphras, Phoebe, John Mark, Apollos, Priscilla, and Aquila, and there's a few other names that we could highlight. There's about 50 to 60 named people, men and women, who carried the brunt of all the work of the early church so that thousands could grow in maturity in Jesus Christ. They were key oak trees in the early church. They were mature, not old. They were mature. They knew Christ. They loved him. They understood what he said. They knew his instruction, and by faith, they practiced it. Even in their failures, they practiced it. They did all this so that, as Paul has already articulated in this letter, so that others could grow up in Christ. This is the 80%. The numbers that come out of history that describe how big the early church is is fascinating. Significant population in the early church 2,000 years ago. And ironically, nameless. Not a lot of names given to a lot of the young ones that aren't, quote-unquote, key players in how the church grew and that space of kind of pushing it all forward. Now, normally, when we talk about the 80-20, it's often said with this, like, negative tone. I've been around a lot of boardrooms and a lot of meetings where there seems to be, like, a disparaging, you know, we just need more people in this space, and we have to da-da-da-da-da. Well, listen, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. It isn't a bad thing. It kind of is what it is. Yesterday, we were kind of raking in our backyard and cleaning up some of the Fiona mess, some of the branches that fell off the old mature maple trees, and to my surprise, as we peeled back the layers of leaves and all the sticks and all the debris that were there through the winter, there are like dozens and dozens and dozens of little tiny trees growing up from the roots of these big, giant maple trees that we have. This is kind of a picture of it all. There are far more little trees growing than the 40-some that's in my yard. 
in my own family, there are two adults, there are four saplings. In any kind of environment, there are some who are carrying the load, taking the brunt, going out in front so that others can grow up to be mature in Christ. When I think of our church, this is very true here. It's true in Montague. It's true in Stratford. It's true at First Baptist Charlottetown. It's true at Grace Baptist. And you can go to any community of faith where Christ is preached and taught. There's this kind of 20-80-80-20 rule at play. To use Jesus' words, I wonder if he is the original 80-20 when he talks about how the workers are few, but the harvest is many. When I think of our ministry just in the last seven days here at this facility, there are people who purposefully prepare to lead a John study so that dozens of people can participate in a John study to grow in their life in Jesus Christ. When I think of the life groups that are finishing up for the year, there are a few that host and lead and pray for and invite in so that well over a hundred adults can participate in that to grow in their life in Christ. When I think of the 40-somewhat grade four to sixers that were here on Monday night and the few young adults that were here kind of leading that group as they form Christ in them. When I think of the countless men and women that serve on our worship teams that come out on a Thursday and then early on a Sunday so that we can be blessed and grow in our life in the Lord. On Friday night, there's a few. There's 18 to 20 leaders that work with over 100 teenagers so that they can be introduced to Christ and grow in Christ and be shaped by him all through the ones who are willing to be out in front. On Wednesday night, I think of our Celebrate Recovery ministry where there's a few. There's six or seven leaders that are here working with with a dozen or so people. Wherever you go, there is this kind of breakdown of mature oak trees serving in such a way that so that dozens can kind of walk behind them to grow in their life in the Lord. I don't know exactly what the percentage breakdown is, but I suspect, and, and, and listen, this is going to sound negative, and it's not negative at all, because I, at times, can be in the 20%, and at times, I can be in the 80%. 80% of us benefit because someone else is serving in a significant way. So if you're, if you're a parent and you have like lots of kids and you show up to church and you get to drop them off and you have like an hour and a half to yourself, and some of you, that's why you come to church. That's why you're here. You're like, hour and a half, done. We'll go. You are benefiting because there is a 20% who are serving with your kids downstairs, who are welcoming them into the nursery and walking with them downstairs and instructing them in the way of Christ. 80% of us in this room, you benefit through a 20% that give sacrificially. When I think of just what we have had to do over the years in this physical building, it is remarkable when you get down into the details of ones who gave generously to see all of this continue to unfold. That speaks to the dynamic that Paul is out in front so that others could grow full in mercy and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. There's always 80% of us benefiting from a 20 who are praying for you. It's curious, on, this is Sunday, Friday morning, my uncle Gordon called me. And Gordon calls me twice a year. He calls and he said, hey, I'm just letting you know, 
that I'm praying for you and your family. What can I pray for? I'm like, that's a great call to get. From the 20% in this particular case, so that this 80% can continue to grow. Wherever we go in church life, in ministry life, there is a 20 that's pushing it forward so that the other 80 can kind of walk behind and grow to be mature men, women who love and follow Jesus Christ by faith. Two things. If you are an old oak tree, I just want to encourage you to keep going. There's a line in one of Paul's letters when he's writing to Timothy. He's like, my life is being poured out like a drink offering. In other words, my days are running short. I'm in jail. I know that I'm going to die. And he's writing to one of the younger ones to say, basically, keep going. Don't let anyone look down at you because you're little. Don't let anyone look down at you because you're young. But this old sage of the church is dying and he knows he's going to die. And he's asking Timothy to come to see him while he's in jail. And when you come, bring me my scrolls. And I love the lines like, and my jacket that I left at Bob's house. Like, it's a very weird line in the text. But it's like, come see me, bring me my scrolls, and bring me my jacket, and I want to see you, and bring John Mark with you. It's curious, John Mark, who's he? He's a guy that Paul had a significant fight with earlier. So you have this old oak tree, knowing that there's a division in a relationship who needs for this to be restored. Maturity is not age, it's I'm doing what I need to do because Christ has asked me to do this and I'm doing it by faith. If you are an old, mature tree in Christ, just keep going. Keep going all the way to the end so that at some point you get to say, my life is being poured out like a drink offering. And in your final moments, you're still walking in obedience to Christ to restore relationships, to bless people, to walk with them, Keep going because there's an 80 who are walking in your wake, who are seeing you live this out all the days of your life. All the days of your life. Keep going, keep running, keep reading, keep praying, keep serving. Don't be the one who's like, well, my kids are gone and I'm 55 and retirement's here. We don't, we don't retire from this. Whether we're paid or not, we, don't reti- we, we run all the way through to the end. The amount of work that has gone on by a few to get ready for this coming weekend is remarkable. Why? Because they love the idea of Christ being formed in others. So they will do that work. Why do people get up early and cook a breakfast so that a whole bunch of other people can come out and be blessed by that? Because they have a heart for Christ being formed in others. I love this line in this little letter of Paul to the church of Colossae where he's talking about, I'm out in front suffering for your sake so that you would know the full riches of Christ in you. Now, if you're a young sapling, I would ask of you to figure out the oak trees that you want to watch, that you see something in them That's Christ being formed in them. There's a language that Paul would often use in some of his letters where he would say, like, if you've never met Christ, if you don't know what he is, da-da-da-da-da, you follow me as I follow him. You learn from me what Christ would ask of you as I follow him. So young saplings, I would invite you to get a good look at the ones in whom you want to follow. And just because they're older than you doesn't mean that they're more mature than you. Look for the ones who are practicing 
the things that Jesus invites them into and spend time with them and listen to what they say about their daily habits and their patterns in life. Listen to what they say as it relates to their prayer time. Listen to what they say about how they journal. Listen to what they say about how they bless others. Listen to what they say about their life as they have followed Christ through incredible high mountaintops, but also ones who have taken the shots like Paul. Because as Paul writes about all the struggle he's ever experienced, he also says in the middle of it all, I'm deeply content. I'm completely satisfied with my life. When I've had lots of food, when I've had no food, when I've had clothing, when I've had no clothing, when I'm rich, when I'm poor, I'm deeply content in all of it. Young saplings, get a good look at those mature trees and spend time with them. They have a heart for you. They want to see Christ be formed in you. Whether you're 7, 11, and whether you're 65 and you just came to know the Lord, that we would be formed by Christ, that we would experience what it is to have knowledge and wisdom as Christ forms himself in us. I'm going to invite uh, Robbie and team back because this morning we do have a unique moment that ties in really well with this. This morning, there are some saplings who have decided to follow Christ. And they, early in their life, as a young person who is learning to trust and follow, is putting Christ's word of instruction into practice by following Christ's instruction of baptism. So while Dana and team lead, or Robin team lead in the song, we're going to kind of disappear and come back in a moment and kind of get in the water and celebrate what Christ is doing in their lives as Christ is at work in people, forming them to be the men and women he's called them to be. Would you pray with me? And then we'll transition into our baptism service this morning. Our gracious and heavenly Father. We're so grateful for who you are and how you shape our life. We're so grateful to be a part of a community of faith where there are mature old oak trees and there's an awful lot of little saplings kind of growing up in our wake. And we want to run the race well before us with the same burden, with the same heart that Paul had for the churches that he cared for deeply. That we would see Christ be formed in them and take their place in this incredible story of faith. And then we repeat it from one generation to the next. All for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.